1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to Tell Me This. My name is Carrie Borkowski and I am your host of this podcast. We are at episode 10, if you can believe it. And this one is entitled Social Belonging in a Time of Social Distance. Um, as I was preparing for this podcast, honestly, over the last few days, there was just no way I could ignore the fact that we are dealing with this COVID-19 virus. Um, and I'm going to be honest with you, this this podcast may be the roughest of the, of the 10 I've done so far. I've tried to plan and prepare and write down some notes as I usually do. But as you can imagine, as an educator myself, um, as a person who's likes to think I'm very active in our community. And of course, with three kids of our own, we've all had our hands full. And so I have tried to juggle all of those things, um, and, and sort of prepare for this podcast. So, um, I'm asking you to bear with me. This really is a work in progress today, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna do the best I can. So, this is tell me this a podcast about belonging, community, cultivating that sense of connection, working on our own self perception of belonging, and also building and strengthening our neighbors, our friends, our coworkers, our our kids, um, our, you know cousins, whomever, working on their sense of belonging as well, the group belonging, if you will. Um, I don't know about you, but in our town, most things have shut down. Our kids are now officially home for at least three weeks. I anticipate um, that it may be longer. I'm hoping for the best, but expecting sort of longer. Um, As I said, the businesses are closed, and of course, the CDC just came out and said that no one should be gathering really, you know, any more than 50 people. So we're not shaking hands. We're not hugging. We're not supposed to get within six feet of, of another person. Um, and I went for a really wonderful 10-mile run yesterday with my pup. It was a beautiful. It was a little chilly, but it was beautiful. And yet it was still weird because as I passed people on the road, I felt, I felt odd, but it needed to be done. I would sort of run not on the entire other side of the road, but I did sort of a wide berth, if you will, which felt weird because I'm such a, I I don't know, I'm a people person, so I like to connect to people and say good morning. And I did still say good morning, but I just I just kept my distance. So um, So in light of everything that's going on, first I'll say I hope everyone who's listening is staying safe, is staying healthy, is taking care of themselves. And as you run ragged, either attending to your own family, your friends, your neighbors, and doing the things that your your professional life require, I hope you will remember to take some time for yourself. As I was telling some of my students this morning in an email, you're really no good to anybody if you're not well-rested, well-fed, and trying to mitigate your own stress. So as best you can, try to take time for yourself whether it's going for a quiet walk, petting your pup or hugging your kids or whatever it is, try to take some time. So today on today's podcast, I I think what I'm going to try to talk about is, um, you know, in these particular times, human connectedness can be difficult. Um, it still matters. And so it seems sort of, I don't know, uh, relevant and appropriate that we should talk about uh three things social distance and social isolation what it is and and what's what happens when this occurs um i want to talk a little bit about why we crave social connection and its relationship really both of those things relationship to belonging and then the third one to give us sort of some tips as we move through this this chaos that is covid-19 how we can think about Cultivating connection in the face of all this social isolation. So connecting with our our neighbors, our classmates, our colleagues, um, even if it is um, you know following those CDC guidelines of social distance. So when we come back, I will, as usual, try to start off with a couple of stories. Actually, I got one I think uh, related to my grandmother, and then I was going to share a couple personal stories. So. Uh, thanks for joining us today. As I said, the podcast is "Tell Me This." I am your host, Carrie Borkowski, and we are, if you can believe it, at episode ten, and we are talking about social belonging and social connectedness, in in a sense, um, even given this social distance that we're supposed to be abiding by. So, thanks for listening today. I'll be right back. All right. Welcome back. Episode 10. We are talking about social belonging and connectedness in the face of social distance or social isolation. So social isolation is defined, I found an article by Warren, 1993, and Warren says that it it's a state in which the individual or group expresses a need for desire, for contact with others, Um, but for whatever reason is unable to make that contact. So in this instance, obviously, the social isolation is created really out of mandate and necessity, uh, necessity in the sense of keeping us safe and healthy and to try to curb this uh, COVID-19 virus in terms of its spread. Um, So Circumstances like this virus may contribute to an individual's inability to do a lot of things, uh, participate in social activities within our community. As as I said earlier, our town has basically canceled everything, has closed the town amenities, um, and honestly, the restaurants and other um, establishments have also closed except for carryout. This can lead to, of course, difficulty with uh, creating, but really from a lot of people maintaining those social supports that we all come to count on, whether it's our, our sporting events, our churches, our social gatherings like senior centers, our schools, the activities that we participate in, just being able to go shopping to restaurants, etc And these events together, this sort of inability to access these events and these spaces and people can lead to this social isolation. So, Interestingly enough, you might imagine that there's also a relationship between social isolation and belonging so that, you know, this, this, remember what belonging is, this idea of being valued and needed. So other than probably you're feeling very needed by your family right now, I certainly am with three kids at home doing my best to homeschool them, um, but more, but more, but In a larger sense, your inability to access these communities and those social networks may leave your sense of being valued and your sense of being needed um, maybe at lower levels, if you will. So, if these connections or engagements are not possible, it's likely that even just temporarily, your sense of belonging may diminish. Um, It's funny, not funny, haha. uh, I guess it's funny in a sense that it's interesting when this COVID 19, Um, I guess, really became a reality for us. And when I say that, I mean things started to change in our town, right? Obviously, it's been a reality for a little while. I've been reading and listening to the news in in China and Italy and around the world. It doesn't feel like my reality until it sort of hits in my backyard. And I started to think about my grandmother um, because, you know, I think about other significant events. I think the closest I can think of in terms of impact is probably 9-11 in the sense that a lot of things stopped, right? I can remember those few days when the airplanes were not flying through the sky and it was pretty weird to look up in the sky and not see those airplanes flying. And so that was the closest thing I could think of that um, reminded me that one of the first phone calls I made was to my grandmother and my grandfather just to check in to tell them that I love them. Um, and just to see how they were doing. So it's it's been a little weird not to be able to reach out to her. And I wondered and sort of chuckled to myself that my grandmother would be going crazy not being able to access her social network. And so I started to think to myself, you know, what would my grandmother do? Well... I knew immediately what my grandmother would do. She would be picking up that phone and calling anybody that she could get to listen to her because she loved, she had the gift for gab, as I think I've said before, and she just loved being able to connect with people. So if the CDC was going to tell my grandmother that she could not, you know, go within six feet of somebody, well then, my goodness, she was going to pick up the phone and call as many people as she could. I think the other thing I remembered about my grandmother is that she also loved— to write letters. So I think I had shared with you that when I was in college and my grandmother was in her maybe seventies, she decided to take up email. And so I would often receive emails from her, but she was a good letter writer. I mean, this was like old school stationary envelopes and, um, she would write me letters. So I can remember when I would leave for college, she would buy me a book of stamps and some stationery, and every week, if not every other day, I would write her a letter. And so I can imagine if she were alive right now thinking about COVID-19, definitely she'd pick up the phone because she had that cell phone everywhere she went. But she would also maybe be resorting to the old school letter writing or dropping a card in the mail. So if you're feeling like you want to reach out to somebody that you haven't heard from for a while and you want to change it up a little bit, I would urge you to you know, find a piece of paper in your home, maybe an envelope. Drop a little note, address it. Drop, drop a ma. Uh, sorry, a stamp on that envelope and drop it into the ma- the mail. I bet you make somebody's day. So that was the first thing I remembered about my grandmother. So in these moments of social isolation, uh, when you're feeling like you need that connection, you could you could turn to old school methods to reconnect with somebody. So a letter or picking up the phone um, isn't a bad idea. The other thing that came to mind for me when I was thinking about all of this stuff and how I was feeling, because I definitely am a people person, um, I don't need COVID nineteen and the CDC telling me to maintain my social distance to realize that I'm a people person. I have known that about myself my whole life. I just, I just like people. I like to be in groups. I like to chat about things. Um, I just, I just enjoy that collaboration with. With cool, with cool people that energize me and excite me when there's lots of ideas and, and things flowing in the air. And it made me remember, and I honestly don't know why this popped into my brain, but I remember, and I always thought I was an odd kid for thinking this. Um, it kind of makes sense as an adult, but maybe I was just a, just a weird kid. But I can remember <laughs> at the end of school, I don't know why, particularly in middle school, I don't know why it was middle school, but I I vividly remember um, it was like the last couple of days of school and, you know, everybody's getting excited. Summer vacation is here. We're signing yearbooks and we used to do that T-shirt signing. I don't know if they do that anymore, but putting notes or your name on somebody's T-shirts and writing long messages in our yearbooks. And I can remember getting this sort of, I don't know, like this pang in my belly or weird feeling in my belly that, there was like, again, that paradox, right? On the one hand, I was super excited because it was summer. Like who wouldn't be excited? It was going to be warm. I live near the water. So I was going to be on the boat. I was going to go to the swimming pool. At the time I was a big golfer. Don't make fun. I love golf. Used to play junior golf all summer. I mean, there was a lot to look forward to, right? Summer is awesome. You can sleep in, you can be outside. The days are longer, all those good things but I still got this pang in my belly. And I think it was because, well, I don't think, I know, I know it was because I was going to miss my friends. I, You know, they're just some friends that you only see during the school year. I mean, look, when you're in middle school, what? how old are you there? Like, I don't even remember now, like 12, 13. You don't drive, right? And even if you live in the suburbs, like close to each other, you can't really ride your bike or even walk to some of your friends' houses. So you're beholden to your parents and your parents don't always want to cart you over. You know, you got to do all those arrangements with the carpool. If, if his mom picks up, then my mom will drop us off. And if her mom will do it this day, then my mom will do it that day. It's really complicated, right? And remember, this is before email, FaceTime, Zoom all that internet stuff, right? I mean, this was like serious old school. This was, maybe we had call waiting, but even even for some, it was still dial somebody's phone number and you might even get a busy signal, right? For My kids wouldn't even know what a busy signal is today. So yeah, so the end of school, I get a pang in my belly because I'm going to miss my friends. And I think on a very low level, really insignificant compared to what we're dealing with right now, that felt like social isolation. I mean, for a 12 or 13 year old headed out of school for the summer away from most of her friends, it felt like social isolation. I think I got the same sort of pang whenever a sports season would end. So I would played field hockey, basketball, softball, whatever, and like be at the end of the season in field hockey. At least we'd go to the championship. We'd have a great year, super excited. We'd be at that party celebrating great season but there'd be a little part of me that was bummed because this was the end and I wasn't going to see some of these friends in the same capacity or at the same length that I did during the season. It was just the reality. So there was a little bit of social isolation. So today on the podcast, as I said, I want to talk about Social isolation, I've already defined it, this notion that you have a desire for contact, but maybe you're unable to contact them. So in a really sort of insignificant way, think summer vacation after middle school, in a in a really significant and dramatic way, think COVID-19 and truly not being able to access school, town resources, et cetera. I know they're very different, but the feelings can be similar with respect to social isolation. I'm going to talk a little bit why we crave that social connection, although we have talked about this um, in previous podcasts, you know, why my grandmother felt the urge to write a letter, why I was so excited when I would get that letter, um, the phone calls, the emails, why we jump on Facebook, all those sorts of things. And then finally, I think most importantly especially given what we're facing right now, how can we think about connection and how can we cultivate that connection in the face of social isolation? All right. So when I come back, I'm going to talk a little bit about a few articles that I found and try to wrap them into what we're talking about today. And then we will finish out the podcast with a few, I'd say, practical tips on how to cultivate um, social belonging and social connectedness in this time of social isolation. All right. Thanks for sticking around. I'll be right back. Thanks for sticking around. I am back with episode 10, thinking about social distance and social belonging, what it means, why it matters, and what can we do about it. And so we just finished talking about, or I just finished talking about couple of stories about my grandmother, which I think if you feel like you know my grandmother by now, it shouldn't be that surprising that social distance would have driven her crazy and she would have immediately found things to do to to like reduce that distance. I also shared again, I I understand relatively speaking, that social distance of, of summer vacation is insignificant compared to what we're dealing with, but I share that example because COVID-19, I hope, is an outlier in our lives. And I think it's important to be thinking about social distance in different contexts and situations, that it's not just the social distance of these extreme and and dramatic and very scary events, but social distance can happen in smaller, more nuanced and seemingly insignificant ways. So I think it's important to talk about the different ways that it manifests itself and as I was preparing for this uh, podcast, I was I was thinking about the current state of affairs, but I was also thinking in the future, um, just to give a little foreshadowing, I'm hoping in a couple of future episodes to talk about um, <coughs> something that's really important to me. I know I've said before that I'm a methodologist by training, so I care a lot about teaching statistics and, and research methods. I know subjects that are near and dear to a lot of people's hearts, not, but. Um, but i care a lot about them in the sense that i want students to feel like they can access that information and as i've i've taught it over the years i've thought a lot about how math and statistics and methods is really language barrier and so i started digging into this idea of language and data literacy and i found this article and i'm sure folks who deal with or not deal with but uh, folks who guide and instruct and work with um, English language learners or students where English is a second language, this will not be any surprise to folks who do this work regularly. But I found this article uh, now in at all 2012 about linguistic isolation and social capital And so while I'm talking about social distance in the sense of a health matter, and I also talked about social distance in the sense of a geographic, so like place based isolation, isolation and social isolation can manifest in many different ways. One of them being linguistically. And I started to think about how certainly if English is a second language or you go into another country where that native language is not your first language, you could see where not having a grasp of the language can can create isolation. And so the article talks about how strong ties within and across groups can serve as a bridge, create essential connections to accessing resources outside of what is available inside the group. So even when you have a group of similar individuals, maybe they speak the same language or they've had similar experiences or in this case of COVID-19 within your family, not being able to connect outside of your group reduces your ability to access resources and resources can take a variety of forms, information, actual resources, employment, support, emotional and psychological, etc., and so the article goes on to talk about sort of strong ties and weak ties between groups offering ways to exchange. And the most interesting part of that article for me was that when this isolation happens and you're not able to create what's called social capital, this idea of social capital, um, it results in worries about employment prospects, but more importantly, worries about access to information. And a a low ability to communicate, feeling like you can't stand up for yourself or that you don't have a voice. You're not able to stand up for your issues or advocate for yourself or ask for help and that you generally can accumulate worry and anxiety and that these feelings emerge more often when you're in situations of isolation. So I think it's really telling that even though this article was talking about linguistic isolation specifically, I think there is there is an appropriate way to think about isolation, in particular social distance, as possibly having similar results for people. So you can imagine either yourself or your friends and family worrying about their job, right? I mean, some people aren't able to go to work. Now, some people have the luxury and privilege of being able to work remotely, like myself, but others are not. I have a sister-in-law who's, you know, having to think about um, her small business and what that will mean for her small business. Um, We also worry about if you don't have good internet access, are you able to access the information and communicate in the appropriate ways to learn about what's going on? And of course, the extent to which you can access these resources, information, communication, et cetera, will then moderate the anxiety and stress that you and your family are feeling. So again, even though it's this article was specifically about linguistic isolation, you can see how isolation can play into um, feelings of worry and anxiety and perhaps lower levels of belonging. I found another article about psychological capital and it is associated with higher levels of life satisfaction and school belonging. And this is uh, Data and Valdez, 2019. And so we know from other episodes of this podcast that being able to cultivate social capital, these networks of support um, do yield higher levels of satisfaction. We've talked about well-being, resilience, sort of the ability to manage these hurdles. We've also talked about um, the positive work engagement, higher productivity. So we, when Lisa Mitchell was on a couple of episodes ago talking about you know the group dynamics and group goals and this ability to engage students in theater production. You can imagine that cultivating belonging in those settings led to better production of those, those theater shows. And you can imagine how that translates into the classroom as well. It can also lead to higher self-efficacy. So you have higher confidence in your own ability to do things, which then of course contributes to success and school belonging, better mental health. Um, this article even says that, you know it's a strong predictor, positive predictor of academic success. And so when social distance is mandated, right, and becomes the norm, these things may suffer um, to the extent that you're not able to access those social supports, whether it's through the internet, the phone, a letter, saying hi to someone, we may have um, issues that arise related to well-being, mental health, anxiety. And so um, I want to wrap up the podcast when we, when I come back talking about, as, as I said in the beginning, I think the most important part of this podcast, which is we know social is, isolation is happening. I understand that social isolation obviously can be related to our own perception of belonging and the group sense of belonging. I know also from listening to this podcast and being a part of this podcast that these matter a lot, right, for all of the things, the reasons I just I just mentioned. And we have lots of articles on the website. whatsourstory.com, com that can provide evidence of why belonging matters. So now get to sort of where the rubber meets the road, which is when we know COVID-19 is out there and I know that this isn't going away anytime soon. What are the things that I can do to sort of manage the stress and anxiety that I'm feeling and that my friends and family are feeling? And how can I continue to cultivate a sense of belonging in my kids, in my families, and and the folks that I'm not seeing on a regular basis? And so when I come back, I want to wrap up the podcast with a, a short conversation and give you some ideas of what you can be doing to cultivate belonging and things just to think about as we move through these difficult times. All right, I'm Carrie Borkowski. This is Tell Me This, and I'll be right back in a moment. All right, thanks for sticking around. Well, the good news is my kids are still outside playing. It's actually cold, but a beautiful day. So I think I'm actually going to be able to finish up this podcast without being interrupted. Uh, from my three kids. So fingers crossed, I I may have just jinxed myself. So to wrap up the podcast, as I said, we've been talking about, I've been talking about social distance and its relation to belonging, why it matters in terms of, of addressing social distance and social isolation. And in this last part of the podcast, the last segment of this podcast, I just really briefly wanted to give some ideas, some are my ideas, some are ideas that I've I've gathered from colleagues, just ways in which we can continue to cultivate belonging in ourselves and in our groups, even as we feel more socially isolated due to this COVID-19 virus. And I do think, as I said in the beginning, social isolation happens and takes many, many different forms. There was an article that I shared today about linguistic isolation. You can imagine that any difference that a student, a neighbor, a friend, a colleague is feeling can create some sort of isolation. It could be related to their own identity development. It could be related to some sort of group identity or group dynamics. Whatever the mechanism of isolation, we all feel it at one time or another. So even though these strategies may be specifically suited To what we're facing right now, I would urge you to think about their application beyond this sort of moment and think about ways that you could apply these strategies and tips in your classrooms, at your work, um, with your kids, and just in other um, contexts. So, first of all, as we think about social distancing, social isolation, and these strategies, I want you to first think about what was your priority list when you started to make that to-do list, right? So so, for example, um, we've all been watching the news or or however you however you take in your news, whether you're listening to it, watching it or reading, and when you noticed that this this thing was headed towards your town or your schools, for example, or that that measures were going to be put in place, right? So I got the news last late last week that our kids' schools were gonna be closed for two weeks. So immediately my brain, right, starts making a to-do list. And then I actually went to my computer and make, made a to-do list. And I set up a, a, a Zoom session to chat with a few friends about their to-do list. And so I'm asking, what were the priorities on your to-do list? What was one of the first or second things you thought of? Well, I can tell you for me, as an educator, You might think that my first thought was lesson plan, curriculum. What am I going to teach my kids while they're out of school? Because they can't fall behind because they're going to have to be ready for the next grade. Well, eventually I did think of that, no doubt. I'm an educator and I want my kids to learn for sure. I will tell you, though, the first thing I thought of was routine. Get them on a schedule. Now, I didn't mean like type A schedule, you know scheduled down to the minute and the second. But what I was thinking about was they needed some calm. They needed some routine. They're used to getting up, having break sorry, used to getting up, getting dressed, having breakfast, catching the bus. I take the twins to preschool. I come home, I pick them up. We go to the library, right? They're used to a routine. And if you're around any young people, they like schedules. I mean, let's face it. I think most adults, or maybe some adults, like a schedule. There's something that feels good about a routine because part of it is it's predictable. You have expectations about what's coming, and being able to predict that feels good. Well, in moments like the one we're facing right now, there isn't a lot about this that's predictable. We don't know if schools are going to be closed for two weeks or three weeks. We don't know if graduations are be canceled or if restaurants are going to be open. We just don't know. And so the first thing that I prioritized was creating a schedule. The second thing, what was the second thing for you? The second thing for me was social contact. My brain immediately went to, and I know this is, I feel lucky that I have the privilege to do this, was I sent an email to a bunch of my kids' friends' parents and said I'm willing to set up a Zoom link if you're able to access it let's do 12 noon every day this week have lunch together so the kids know from 12 to 12:30 they're sitting at their table having lunch and whoever can pop on to Zoom is popping on to Zoom why am i doing this well there's really two reasons if i'm honest it gives me a little bit of a break so I can have some lunch in peace or catch up on my email or do whatever I do. The other reason and the most important reason is is we all need a social connection. I mean, have you ever seen kids on Zoom? It's a little silly. They're still figuring out the camera. They're still figuring out how it works. But they get to be together. They get to be goofy together and make funny faces at each other and talk about their day and what they're having for lunch and what they're up to and how crazy it is that they don't have school. It's social connection. That is most important, right? So let's think about our priorities during this this chaotic time. For me, it was setting a routine. It creates calm and schedule, predictable expectations. Secondly, social interaction peer connections, social networking, being able to talk to each other, communication, right? Those were the first two things. And I should say in there, and I think it was an assumption, so I didn't make it number one, but obviously priority number one was safety, right? Being thankful and grateful and keeping in mind that the, the people that I love and checking in with all the people that I love that they were safe. So safety, routine, social connection. And then everything else will come. Right the learning, the exploration, the fun, all of that will come. And so to give you a few examples of what you could do, well, I mentioned a few, having Zoom sessions. So I have, I'm so lucky to be teaching some teachers. And so I've reached out to a couple of teachers who were gracious and um, generous with their time. And so they're going to meet with my son online and do some math. Which I'm grateful for. I think our kids, (coughs) one of our kids' grandmothers might hop online and read a book. I know a colleague of mine has grandkids and she's doing math with her grandkids in the morning. So, Zoom sessions are great for that stuff. Um, Listen to podcasts. There's some great podcasts out there for kids and families. Um, Do something like that, read a book you've been meaning to do. Google a science experiment. So my, my oldest son, Colby loves um, Max Einstein. It's a book about this really smart young lady. And in the back of her book, there's an appendix and there was a science experiment. And if he asked if we could do it. So today um, we actually did a series of experiments and did a test, right? So we sort of moderated the different ingredients that were in the potion that we created and we hypothesized, and so, do an do a science experiment. Google and find an a science experiment. The other thing is Brain Pop, Brain Pop Junior, Scholastic, Schoolology, all of these amazing education resources, and even Zoom, which I think is amazing. They're all making these resources temporarily temporarily available to educators, teachers parents whose schools are closed. And so if you're looking for some great ideas, check out these websites because there's some awesome stuff um, that's on them. So there's plenty of resources in the internet. The museums also do virtual tours. Um, Scholastic has, as I said, they have books, but for the younger kids, they also have read aloud. So they actually have for each day, a book that can be a read aloud. And then there's an activity that comes along with the book. So just lots of things that you can do with your family and with your kids. And it, and if nothing else, if it's nice around where you live, get them outside, do a little, uh, we're going to do some science tomorrow and we're going to go out and classify some leaves, check out the birds, look for some gross worms, and maybe come in and draw a few pictures. Who knows? The important thing to remember is get them in a routine so they feel calm, secure, and can predict some things that are going on. Connect them with you, yourself, with friends, with their friends, make sure they're safe and the learning will come. There's tons of resources out there and the other wonderful thing is that there are, um, teacher groups, Facebook groups that are sharing Google Docs of all different resources. If you're having trouble finding these resources, please send me an email at karyborkoski at gmail.com. Uh, ha- I'd be happy to share all the resources I've come across so far and we'll also put you in contact with other people that have great ideas. So I'm going to wrap up now. Um, I know this was a shorter podcast. I'm sorry about this. I and I know it was a little less prepared than I like to be. But this is Tell Me This, episode 10, talking about social distance and social belonging, what it is, why it matters, and hopefully a few strategies that you can adopt so that you can get through the next several weeks. And really, um, you know, just as you think about cultivating belonging and building that sense of belonging in yourself and in your friends and family, I hope those strategies will be relevant. So, I really don't know much about what's going on right now other than what I'm reading and hearing in the news. I am not sure where we're headed. I'm hopeful that it's going to get better, that we're getting, you know, things handled, that we realize it's serious and we're taking the measures we need to to get this thing under control. Um I also do know that we need to take good care of each other. We need to stay safe. We need to take this seriously and follow the CDC guidelines and do as we're told with respect to social distance. At the same time, I also recognize that we need to talk to each other, we need to support one another, we need to do those things um, to check in with each other. If you haven't heard from somebody in a little while, send them an email, send them a text, pick up the phone and call. And the other thing I want to remind everybody to do, and I know this is so hard because I'm hearing from students and friends already, try to do some things that make you happy. You need to breathe you need to go for a walk in the woods, go for a walk in your neighborhood, do the exercise that you do, read the book that's been sitting on your shelf, make a meal with your family. It's a great way to practice fractions by the way and what is a half a cup versus a cup, et cetera. And try to stay calm when you can. I am certain that we will get through this like we get through everything. We are resilient, we are strong, we need to take care of each other and come together. So, stay smart, stay safe, and I hope that you and your family are healthy. I'm Carrie Borkowski, and this is Tell Me This. Thanks so much for listening. If you have any questions, want any of those resources, please email me at C A R E Y B O R K O S K I at gmail.com. That's Borkowski at gmail.com. I have the articles and the podcast up on my website, What's Our Story dot com. If you have a story that you want to share or if you have anything, any strategies that you're using or resources that you're using, I'd love to hear them. Please drop me an email. As always, thanks so much for listening. Take good care of yourself and your family. Until next week, this is this is Tell Me This. Thanks.